I changed the way that my thumbnails looked. I was looking at my competitors and like, oh, their, their thumbnails look like this. My thumbnails got to look like this now. I was just changing everything left, right, front and center. And then when I actually spent the time to look at my data, I was like, wait a second. The thumbnails that I had two years ago that I created on Canva actually had a higher click-through rate than the thumbnails that I spend $50 per thumbnail on, on like fancy graphic designers on. Can your YouTube channel break when no one's watching or the videos just aren't performing anymore? Has YouTube stopped working? We're gonna be breaking that down and so much more in today's episode with our friend and fellow YouTube creator, Vanessa Lau. And she talks about the experience she just went through when her YouTube channel stopped working. My name is Heather Torres and I'm the host of the Think Media Podcast, the number one podcast to help you grow your influence on YouTube and then turn that influence into a high impact and a high profit online business. Today's episode is brought to you by our thinkmediasale.com. This is a fabulous sale that you need to know about. Right now we have over 80% off of our brand new course and bundle, the YouTube Made Simple course, and all of the bonuses that go with it. You're gonna learn how to get your first 1,000 subscribers and earn your first $1,000 on YouTube, how to do it without a fancy camera, editing experience, or working 50 hours a week on your YouTube channel. We're we're breaking through the mindsets that are holding you back from being confident on camera. And you're gonna learn how to film, edit, and upload your videos, plus our fast acting strategies to help you gain those subscribers quickly. You can get all of the information for this amazing sale that we have during the holidays at thinkmediasale.com. Now I'm so excited to bring you Vanessa Lau. She is an amazing content creator here on YouTube who is growing a thriving multiple seven-figure online business. She started working in a corporate job that she hated and really wanted to become a content creator who could help other people. She went through a journey of getting to that and she shares all about that over on her YouTube channel. And recently, she actually had to make a pivot on her channel because it stopped working. In this episode, Sean and Vanessa sit down and talk about what happened and how she learned from it and what you can learn if your YouTube channel is experiencing the same thing. You made a video titled, I messed up my YouTube channel. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. Like, am I messing up my YouTube channel? Man, I've had these great videos in the past. Now it seems like they're not working. What am I doing wrong? So when you made that video, can you tell us what happened and what did you learn? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of explain what triggered me to create that video and then I'll share what I learned. So what really triggered it was I was spending a lot of money and time on my YouTube channel more than I ever did before in the past but I didn't feel like I was getting the payoff that matched the amount of investment that I was pouring into. So for example, the views, the view duration, everything, all of my stats. When you open up the new creator studio, you see it basically tells you how you're doing and everything was like arrows down in the red. And I'm like, what is going on here? So that's what prompted me to kind of dig a little bit deeper because uh, I just started seeing reds all across the board that I'd never seen before. But personally, for me, it felt like I was doubling my work, doubling my expenses, trying to keep my YouTube channel running. And so that's what happened. 
And here's essentially what I learned from my experience of just diving into the actual analytics. Cause I feel like one of the main takeaways of that video that I created about how I messed up my YouTube channel was it almost felt like I spent more energy and time on the wrong things. So a good example is I spent way more time refining the editing, hiring video editors, um, clean, like changing the thumbnails, doing all the fancy things than I actually did about looking at the analytics and creating better content in general. And so that's when I realized like, okay, like these videos, yeah, they're fancier. The, the equipment is better. The audio is clearer, all those things, but the views are pretty much the same that I got last year or the two, the year before that, when I started my channel and I was filming videos at my mom's bedroom, it was, it was insane to see that. And my takeaway was like overly produced videos don't actually get you more views. You can check to see if it gets you more average view duration, but it didn't for me. And so that's when I realized there's that kind of tipping point where you kind of spend, you kind of like spend too much on the equipment and you spend too much on, you know, editing. You have to realize that at the heart of it, can people see you? Can people hear you? Does the message come across? Is the video engaging in itself? If yes, that's enough. You don't have to pour thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on your YouTube channel. I think that's where I kind of like went in over my head and thought that that's what I needed to get to the next level when it wasn't true at all. So that's the number one lesson. The second lesson was don't fix what's not broken. And this is where I really started to lead my YouTube channel with a lot of feelings and not necessarily all facts. I think as a creator, it's hard though, because we're such creative people and we have so many ideas and, you know, most creators I know don't want to stay in one spot and they want to like do a bunch of things. We're multi-passionate. And so I kind of let that get the best of me too, because I usually am someone that's very into the data, but for some reason, maybe because the views were getting lower and lower, I felt like panic and I felt like throwing spaghetti at my um, channel, trying to make everything work it, while also ignoring the things that were hurting me, which was the low channel stats. It was very clear that everything was going down, but I just didn't want to believe it. And I didn't want to actually look into it because it was painful to look into it. It was embarrassing. It kind of hurt my ego a little bit. And so what I ended up doing was just, okay, well, I just got to change the thumbnail and make it like change the font here or oh, let me just hire a new video editor and it'll fix things overnight. I was doing the easy fixes, but not the hard work of actually looking into things. So what ended up happening was on the topic of thumbnails, I changed the way that my thumbnails looked, I was looking at my competitors and like, oh, their, their thumbnails look like this. My thumbnails got to look like this now. I was just changing everything left, right, front and center. And then when I actually spent the time to look at my data, I was like, wait a second. The thumbnails that I had two years ago that I created on Canva actually had a higher click through rate than the thumbnails that I spend $50 per thumbnail on, on like fancy graphic designers on. Imagine how I felt. <laughs> When I saw that data, I was like, and the funny thing is that it wasn't even me that looked at the data. It was my social media manager that was like, Hey, Vanessa, I just like compiled the stats. These are our top, like top 10 performing thumbnails. And when she actually took the screenshot of it, all those thumbnails were the old thumbnails. And I was like, wow. So the last year I kept changing things up and turns out that it wasn't actually performing. 
And then the third, um, the third takeaway, and this one actually I didn't mention on the video, but I think it was like something I learned after I filmed the video. So this is like exclusive content here on the podcast. And that was, I think a turning point was when I launched my podcast and I put everything in one channel. And the reason where, where I think I messed up there is I thought that, okay, you know what? I already have this channel that has so many subscribers. I can throw anything at it and it'll do well. Um, and so when I launched the podcast, um, I wanted to do a video format of it. And instead of creating a separate channel for it, I put it all in one place. And what I didn't realize at the time was, wait a second, the podcast content is pretty different from my regular YouTube videos. The audience that I'm trying to attract with my podcast is also very different from the type of audience that I have on my YouTube. And so that ended up kind of creating a, a situation where my loyal and existing subscribers were confused about the new content. Um, and because it didn't necessarily meet what they're usually used to or what they were interested in, they stopped clicking on the videos on the for the podcast. And then what ended up happening was the click-through rate started going down. And what I learned from my experience is this is where algorithms come into play. Basically, because the YouTube channel, the YouTube videos were kind of pulling the stats down, everything kind of went down across the board. And it almost felt like my videos just kind of stopped getting recommended to my typical audience. So that is something that I didn't put in the video, but definitely um, was a huge learning lesson from me. And that's what I admire you, um, admire a lot about you, Sean, is you're very good with, you have like multiple channels, you're splitting up your content um, to different channels to different people. And I think that's, um, that's a very smart move that I didn't rookie mistake on my end. <laughs> well, there's so many insights there and I'm excited to unpack this. Um, but a couple recap was the big idea of overly produced content doesn't necessarily cause things to grow. And maybe people could relate, um, sometimes to that rawness of YouTube. I think there's kind of a fine line. YouTube is its own ecosystem. It's not Netflix. It's not HBO Max. It's not Hollywood. Uh, it is a place where we can authentically connect with people. And of course, people go viral sometimes telling just a story time video or a video from their smartphone where they just really pour out their heart. And we've had the same challenge, of course, at Think Media as time goes on. We have more opportunity because we have more resources. So we have the latest gear. Things go from you know 1080p 60 to 4K 30 to 4K 60. Maybe 8K is the next thing. Better lenses, better dynamic range. But it's like, is that really going to be the game changer? And I think we know it's not. Content value is infinitely more important than production value. Um, that also sometimes we can be led intuition-wise. And I know I do that. Sometimes we just feel something. This is a good business principle that being an intuitive entrepreneur is almost necessary for survival when you're starting, but eventually you have to become data-driven and your intuition could be wrong. So like, I think I want to go this direction with my thumbnails. It might work. It might not. And so being data-driven could be a great, uh, is a great example there. Um, but you mentioned a couple other tips as well. You also mentioned being overbatched. And I think we fall oh, yeah. into those, uh, that trap here at, at Think Media. Not that it's a trap, it's a leverage tool. It's a family and lifestyle tool to shoot as many videos as possible to get as far ahead as possible. But you mentioned a couple nuances with A, not being able to react in real time 
or even energy. What did you learn from maybe how far ahead do you try to get when batch? What is batching videos? If maybe someone's hearing that time for the uh, that term for the first time, and uh, what did you learn and from being over batched? Yeah, thanks for reminding me that I even mentioned that in the video. I completely forgot about it. But um, what batching means is essentially in one sitting or in one time frame, you kind of film all of the videos at once. So for example, maybe instead of chasing your tail, filming one video a week, if you're uploading once a week, maybe in one sitting in one week, you film four of them. So now you've got a whole month's worth of content and you don't necessarily have to film every single week until the next batch. And so that's what batching means. And so I have been on a journey with finding what works for me. And um, what happened was I thought, okay, well, I'm quite busy. Uh, I was going through a move. I was doing a lot of things. So I was like, you know what? Let me just batch everything. Let me not just batch one month's worth of content. Let me batch like three to four months worth of content. So I went hard with everything in one go. And I thought that that was going to be the best thing that's ever happened to me. But eventually what I realized as I was scheduling out the content that I batched months ago was number one, I wasn't able to react to feedback. So at the same time that I did batch those videos, but even if it wasn't the case, I had actually uh, changed video editors. And so that wasn't the right season for me to over batch that much, especially as I was still testing new video editors, new content ideas, new style, new things. Um, and so, but because all those videos were already edited, and especially if you have a team, you've already paid for it, you know, invoice sent, paid, all the good and good done. It's hard to go back and change things. And so it was a very frustrating experience during those three months, just watching my batch content come out and seeing the audience say, hey, Vanessa, like, I don't like how this was edited or like, hey, um, this was a little bit distracting in the video or, hey, the sound wasn't that clear here or, um, hey, can you actually elaborate more on this concept in a future video? you know, because everything was kind of set in stone, couldn't really make those changes. And over time, I felt that some of my more loyal subscribers were getting frustrated because they didn't, they felt like I wasn't listening, but I was, I just couldn't actually react to it fast enough. Not only this, during that time period, I talk a lot about Instagram on my specific channel. And during that time, Instagram reels was really taken off. And I couldn't really like react to all the trends that were happening in social media fast enough because I already had a schedule that um, was set out with all of my content needing to come out and everything like that. So it just felt very frustrating. And what I learned from that experience is that batching is still a really great strategy. I still don't stand by, you know, chasing your tail every single week. I think that just leads to burnout. But at the same time, you shouldn't batch a whole year's worth of content in one go because so much can change in that time frame. Your audience will have certain questions, certain demands, certain feedback, and you do want to leave some space to be reactive to it. So what I do now is I maybe maybe batch like one month's worth of content instead of three, let's say, unless there's a life circumstance or a, a business thing that pops up. And I do need to kind of plan around that. And if I were to add, also just being okay with going off schedule, okay? Like if there's really a trend, if I really think about it, there was nothing really stopping me from actually turning on the camera, filming it, and just getting that edited and uploaded and just sacrificing maybe the schedule. I think that would have been fine as well. But at the time, I didn't really think of doing that. And I was just like, you know what? Everything is set in stone. 
can't make any changes. But if I'm really honest with myself, that's not 100% true. Well, when we learned three, uh, I agree with you on the overbatching, and, and we have kind of three approaches that we've been applying to our video podcast channel, the Think Media Podcast, because we're actually batched three months ahead now. Um, but the way we're solving that is a couple things. One, we're actually just batching the core content. And because I have a co-host, Heather Torres, she can do a quick tip or even what the call to actions are based on our marketing calendar or whatever it is that is actually only shot about one month at a time. Additionally, to your point, we are um, going to some weeks have double uploads. And so podcast listeners, not just on the video side, but the audio side, we basically have kind of, if you will, core curriculum that's more evergreen that comes out every Tuesday. Um, and then when we need to react, we want to do exactly what you said. There's no reason why we can't maybe give another upload or jump on something that's a little more fresh. And we recognize that. And even we're really listening to your advice, like, man, being overbatched, we need to actually be make a concerted effort to be able to react in real time. And to your point, I think being willing to have foresight, planning, because that really is the only way to have sanity, I think, as an entrepreneur, plus lifestyle and uh, not let your business take total control of, of your life. But at the same time, we also got to be willing to react and pivot in real time. And so in just a second, I want to kind of talk about maybe some factors you can't control. It doesn't surprise me that as you know, the entrepreneur that you are, the business that you've built, that you basically took extreme ownership for your channel being messed up. You're like, here's what I could have done better. And just to recap for listeners, again, your views might be down because the rawness of your content is, is uh, that you originally started with has become overproduced. Your views could be down maybe because you're trying to fix stuff that isn't broken. Maybe you're overbatched, so you're not as in touch with your audience um, and you're not reacting to real-time trends or real-time pain points, or you're just, you're kind of like in a way robotically making content as opposed to really being connected at that real-time, quick-moving heart level. However, the truth is, Vanessa, I think there's also, you know, external factors that could have played a part in this or certainly also uh, apply to those that might be like, I'm, I feel like I'm doing everything right. I'm not making any of those quote unquote mistakes. Do you think seasons come in? You've been on YouTube a couple of years, summer versus, you know, fall. I think the pandemic, um, the yeah, viewership absolutely. high caused by the pandemic lockdown has actually worn off. And a lot of creators are having withdrawals because they, they were like, all of a sudden, everyone was locked down. They're like, my views are up and they maybe attributed too much credit to themselves because people were just, and now they're back at work to a degree. And so sometimes there are external factors and we can't control those, but what, what are maybe some that could be causing viewership to go down? Have you ever noticed on your channel seasons react differently to your videos? Uh, what are some insights? A hundred percent. Just basically everything you said, like what I also realized too was, um, seasonality, you know, and I love how you mentioned COVID like, and you kind of like attributing all the success to you, like, oh my gosh, I'm crushing it because I'm getting so many views. But then you realize like, oh, everyone's locked down. So they're obviously watching more videos, not just mine, but everyone else's. Um, and so I do think that in the summertime, especially in this like day and age after COVID, where things are opening up again, people are thinking about traveling, people are thinking, you know, about future plans. There may be certain videos that they're not watching right now. 
versus let's say if you are a travel like account, maybe your views might be up during this time period, right? Because it's summertime, people are planning, or maybe people are looking for like fashion advice on what to wear in this season. You know, there's going to be certain niches, certain industries that may have um, more views on some seasons versus others. I find that you have to also think about like human psychology and human behavior in general. Um, so even for me, like, yes, I take extreme ownership on where I fell short in my channel. And I always try not to blame the algorithm or not blame external factors. But I do also recognize that it was summertime. And especially after the pandemic, like I mentioned, um, people just not necessarily watching these, like my type of videos as much versus them thinking about traveling and all of that. Or maybe even like something that's really well known that we all know about is during Christmas time or the holidays. Like and if you're monetized, usually that's where you might make a little bit more money because there's more people watching videos during the holidays, especially when they're cozied in and they have time off from work. Or the fact that there's advertisers that might pay more uh, to have their ads shown during the holidays because people are in a shopping season. And so there are different um, seasonalities that can affect your channel. And you shouldn't necessarily 100% blame yourself and think that you're the worst creator ever. Uh, you do want to look at those things. And another thing, too, I like how you mentioned the fact that, you know, you talk to other creators. That's something that I like to use as a benchmark because you know, sometimes it's like, okay, am I just the, am I the problem? Like, am I the one that's really like struggling here? And maybe I just need to up my content or maybe I need to like refresh something or is it just how it is for everyone? And so what I like to do is maybe I'll look at channels like yours or channels like, you know, other people who share similar content to me. And I look at, Hey, are their views down? What's going on? Like, what can I actually see is happening on their channel. Now, if I'm doing that and I'm seeing everyone else in my industry except myself have skyrocketed views, all the, you know, all the vanity metrics or whatever else, higher engagement, all those things, then I'm going to say to myself, okay, I should probably look at what I'm doing wrong because if there's opportunities for other people to win, I got to look at what I can improve versus it's a different sentiment where I'm looking at everyone else and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm seeing similar trends that's happening to their account. So maybe it's not just me. And that's maybe an opportunity where you'd want to reach out to other creators, swap notes, kind of like what we're doing right now. Um, or you can just kind of make your own uh, assumptions on what you see happening with other people in your industry. Yeah. And I'm curious, Vanessa, if you're like me, um, you know, I know we try to not tie our identity to this stuff, but have you ever noticed that your emotions uh, can sometimes be connected to your YouTube analytics. I know for me, uh, we say go for green in our community. And you mentioned looking at your analytics is all red arrows is all dropping down. And what's sometimes hard, I was talking to another creator who's also kind of in this slump and really introspective, like not even, and by the way, not a slump. This creator it just grew 19,000 subscribers in a month, just got 1.5 million views in a month, but is down about 20% from the month before and the conclusion there or at least the emotional illogical conclusion is man what am i doing wrong what's going on now as a business owner we can't afford not to say oh my gosh 20 percent drop is there external factors internal factors what can we do is this if this is an ongoing trend that would eventually lead us to you know total decline so you can't be asleep at the wheel building you know as a youtube entrepreneur a, a content entrepreneur but nevertheless 
19,000 new subscribers in 28 days and 1.5 million views is so insane. I'm sure a ton of people listening to the podcast right now, that's that's like their dream target. You know, that's what they're praying for. And this individual is living it. But man, when you, 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 it's almost like the way that YouTube presents analytics to you can almost be toxic because it's like, keep it going, man. Like, and, and you still, if you just look at the math, think media has just lately said, as usual, every month, We've been like, same as usual, same as usual. And that's about 25,000 new subscribers on our main channel every month, which is freaking insane. But it's like, yeah, you're doing all right. Like, it's just so, it's just average, bro. It's just average. So I don't know. Sometimes I can get in my mind and in my, in my feels, you know, like about, man, is this a reflection? What's wrong? And, and uh, I don't know. Have you, how, how do you handle, this hitting your emotions. Are you able to just disconnect or does it sometimes are you laying in bed thinking about like, man, what's going on with my YouTube channel? Like, am I okay? Is this a reflection on my worth as a human? Like you ever go through any of this uh, emotional roller coaster? Mm, of course. I think, I think anyone does. And I think as a creator, like what you put out in the internet is almost like an extension of you. And when you see YouTube creator studio telling you, Hey, your channel's not doing that great you you do make it mean about yourself. And I think that having that self-awareness is really important um, that it doesn't dictate who you are. And I, I love the fact, and you actually like, I love that, like how you said, yeah, even though on the Creator Studio, YouTube is giving you those red down arrows and whatever else or saying that you're just average, you have to realize that there's still a lot of like 20, even if you got 25 views, like it's 25 people that have watched your videos. And I think that's something that you should be proud of. And I also think that success is relative too, right? Like oftentimes we get caught up maybe even comparing ourselves to like other people who have bigger channels or whatever, or all the fanciness, kind of like how I did. And I got caught up in that. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not doing good enough because they've got all this and I've got to up my equipment game and I've got to do all those things. And I got negative results from doing that. And that was all me acting on emotion because I saw the reds. It wasn't me actually just being like, okay, well, let's be objective about this. Let's take a step back. I will look at the analytics, but only my analytics and compare what I could, what I can actually control, right? Like if the click-through rate is like down, maybe less than 3% or like less than what I usually get. Okay, easy. Let's think objectively. Let's look at, let, let's, let's try something. Let's A-B test something. Maybe I, I get a plug-in like vidIQ or TubeBuddy and A-B test two thumbnails, you know, and be objective about it and collect the data and just realize that I'm only in, comp in competition with myself. I just want to be better than maybe I was yesterday. And I can only control this many things on my channel and I'm doing the best that I can. And I think that that's what's important um, at the end of the day when you're a content creator. You, you're just going to drive yourself mad at that point if you're, if you're constantly tying your self-worth to this type of stuff. Well, I hope that conversation left you with something to think about. And I want to ask you, what is your next action step? I really loved how real Vanessa was in this interview where she talked about how she let how she felt about her channel guide what she did. And honestly, it came back to being data-driven that started to be the piece that she used to make decisions. And I can so fall into this trap as well. When I think about my action step after listening to this, it's that I think sometimes this needs to be 
perfect. Just like Vanessa stumbled through over time feeling like it needed to be better and better and better and more produced, I fall into the same trap. I even did this here on the podcast. Sometimes it's harder when I think about the lights and the camera and the microphone and am I wearing the right outfit? Is my makeup right? Is this highly produced? What does this look like? And honestly, people just want real. They just want you. And she said her best performing videos were the ones she was making when she lived at home with her mom in her bedroom. That's honestly all you really have to do. The content will win. And I am even a testament to this as well. One of my best performing videos right now on Think Media that I filmed this year is actually the worst looking video. It's like I shot it on a baked potato. It was my webcam. It was poorly lit. I was positioned wrong, but the content is what is winning. And I just want to encourage you that if you feel like you just can't get started because you don't have the right camera or you just can't get started because you don't like the way you look or you just can't get started because you don't have the right background, that you need to put those things to rest and just press record. Your first videos, they're going to be your worst videos. And so you need to get those out of the way now. And People really do just want you. They want the message that you have. They want the strategies that you're going to give them. They want you to help them solve that problem. So let's get rid of the facade that it has to be perfect. And if you're ready to jump in and get your first 1,000 subscribers, if you're ready to jump in and understand that there's a mindset that goes to YouTube, that there is strategy that goes to YouTube, then you need to pick up the holiday bundle at thinkmediasale.com where we're helping you get to your first 1,000 subscribers, your first 1,000 subscribers and beyond. That's at thinkholidaysale.com. And if you are loving this type of content, I want you to hit like over on YouTube if you're over there. And if you're listening on iTunes, would you do me a solid and just rate and review this podcast? It would mean the world to me if you could go over there and leave a review and let us know what you think about the show. Every single week, I love to feature someone on the podcast, and today it's Lavatron. Lavatron says, great for insight and motivation. Thank you, Sean Heather. Heather? Wow, my name is Heather. And the Think Team. You guys give us so much knowledge and insight on ways to keep our channels going and growing. I remember first getting to know you all during one of the free YouTube challenge courses last year. You guys inspired me to get into the right mindset to finally commit to my channel. Oh my goodness, I could read these all day long. Not because you're saying thank you to us, but because you took the step you are doing the work and you're showing up for your audience. So excited for you. And thank you for rating and reviewing the podcast. Well, thank you so much for being a part of today's episode. We're going to feature Vanessa in next week's episode as well. So stay locked and loaded for part two of this series. Did you see thinkmediasale.com? For the holidays, we're giving you 80% off our brand new YouTube Made Simple course bundle. Get over $1,900 worth of our best courses, tools, templates, and more. Just go to thinkmediasale.com.